Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts and access the podcast one week early and get exclusive bonus content. Just hit the subscribe button now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want access to all of the above, plus video versions of the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing. Hello, lovely Stop the Killing listeners, or STK as I like to abbreviate it. Catherine and I are currently working on season three of Stop the Killing, but we've built such a fabulously supportive community of listeners over the last two seasons, we don't want to leave you with an STK-shaped hole in your podcast downloads. So we'll be adding in a series of episodes on the Thursday feed with listener questions, which is where you come in. We would love to hear your questions, so please message us at Stop the Killing Stories on Instagram, or if Twitter is your jam, STK Podcasts. And in the meantime, if you want to stay abreast of when season three will be kicking off, then make sure to follow us on Instagram at Stop the Killing Stories. Or if you're one of our ever-growing Patreon supporters, you'll be the first to know and have early access to season three over on patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. Plus, of course, access to all the usual bonus content and ad-free episodes. And talking of ad-free episodes, trust me, I get ads can be super annoying. But if you're listening on the usual platforms with ads, please just remember by supporting our sponsors, it is one way that you can support the podcast. We really couldn't make the podcast without the support of those sponsors. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital, or maybe you just lost it? Well, StubForge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, StubForge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With StubForge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, 
head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. We're going to look at a listener's question. And this is from Carolyn, who also asked us one a couple of episodes ago. She's a Patreon member, so she gets two. (laughs) She gets as many as she likes, to be fair, if she supports the podcast. That's true. So her question this time is, I find Oxford very interesting to see how these charges and lawsuits play out, because I think based on what the teachers reported, That shooter's locker and backpack should have been searched and school administrators are capable of conducting those searches on school grounds without law enforcement. So what are your thoughts on that? Is that actually a possibility that you can just go in and search? Yes, actually, I think it would astonish most parents to know that in general, minors don't really have rights. (laughs) They don't have rights in my house, so that makes perfect (laughs) sense at school. (laughs) Exactly. And I say that because I'm a former federal law enforcement officer, and we generally try not to deal with minors. It isn't that we haven't through the years had minors that we've had to deal with, but in general, it's not something that the federal law enforcement likes to deal with because minors are different rules. There may be a school policy that says before you search a student's locker, you have to call a parent, but I'd mm. be hard pressed to find a school district that has that. In general, schools can search lockers and backpacks and things like that. And law enforcement can't just search something because it wants to. You have to have probable cause. We've covered Oxford quite a lot. And we know that that kid actually sat in the school counselor's office with the backpack on. Do you think that was a missed trick that should have been done just as a policy? Here's what I'm going to say. Everybody has assumed that the gun is in the backpack. Yes. And it does seem super logical, but let's talk true crime here. When it comes to investigations, I can't go into court and I'm a former prosecutor. I couldn't go into court and say that gun was in that backpack. We have no evidence at this moment that the gun was in that backpack. There may be evidence that comes out. He could have had the gun in a locker. He could have had it secreted in a car or in somebody else's locker, or he could have had it around his waistband, or we don't know. It was a handgun. So we don't know where the gun was, but I think everybody's made the assumption that the gun was in the backpack. It's a pretty good assumption, but we don't have 100% evidence. I don't have 100% confidence in the evidence on that yet. Although law enforcement and the prosecutors may have that information already and know for sure that it was there. He may have said that, or they may have other, you know, video images or other witnesses who know that's where it was because he went into the bathroom with a backpack. He came out with a gun. But really, Carolyn's question is, couldn't they have searched? Why didn't they search? I think that's just frustration. They could have searched for sure. In general, you have to be able to articulate. When you talk about reasonable suspicion, it's reasonable, articulable suspicion. That's the legalese for it. So if you can say, I have this concern because he did this or he's that, And I think that the really tricky part at that moment in time is that sitting in a counselor's office, the counselor says a teacher who has seen drawings of somebody shooting somebody, drawings of people being killed, drawings of images that talk about death and destruction. And I have a previous situation from a couple of days earlier where a teacher says, I saw this kid searching for ammunition on a website. In my mind, I was just thinking, you're sitting in that school counselor's office 
and you've only got a couple of those pieces of the puzzle. I'd forgotten that he had been searching for the ammunition, which is like that crucial piece of the puzzle. There's no kind of leap in your mind that would necessarily go, he's drawn a picture, he's got access to a weapon. Those two things aren't necessarily hand in hand. But then you put that together with that third piece, which is that he's searching ammunition, that could go to say that he's got a gun. Yeah, but that's not a reasonable, articulable suspicion. That would get a police officer a reason to search somebody's backpack on the street while they're walking down the street. You know, if you stop somebody on the street and you have a purse with you or backpack and I stop you and I say, hey, Sarah, I saw you searching for ammunition on your phone and I noticed that you're carrying a notebook that has these drawings of people being shot and killed. Do you have a gun with you? Like, I mean, how, how do you get from, I mean, you could say, do you have a gun with you? But I think it's clear, at least from what we know, nobody asked if he had a gun with him. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is there a point where you would go, hey, maybe we should make it that the threshold to search kids' lockers and school bags is this. Oh, um, the threshold is nothing. You can search. They didn't. But I think when I say, oh, reasonable, articulable suspicion, that's for yeah. you as an adult in a school. You know, you can search kids' lockers and you can search backpacks and there's a lot of things that you can do. And I'm speaking in general, right? Schools might have policies that say we don't do that. We don't search a kid's car unless we call his parents or things like schools may have policies like that in place. And that's all fine and dandy if that's what that particular school district in that community wants, because it's based on community standards, of course. But, you know, when you have a situation like they had at Oxford, you know, I don't know. We weren't in the counselor's office. Now, for those listeners who maybe uh, didn't catch the earlier bonus episodes about Oxford, this kid had searched for ammunition, teacher had reported it to the school. There's something that occurs on Monday that is equally disturbing. Tuesday, the kid's parents are called when there are drawings found. The parents come to the office, the parents agree that they will get the kid some counseling. The parents say, no, we don't want to take the kid home. And they go off to work or wherever they're going. The kid goes back to class, and then a very short time later, the kid pulls out a gun and kills people at school. So that's a very short summary. If you want real facts, you have to go back and listen to the podcast, listen to the bonus episode. But what occurred in that particular counseling office at that time, I think people are quick to second guess and criticize. One of the criticisms I've heard is that the counselor should have elevated that concern and had other people participate. Say, for instance, you're a, I don't know how old this counselor was, but say you're a 27 year old counselor and you've got these parents in the office and the parents say, we'll get Jimmy some counseling and don't worry about it. And the counselor says, okay, fine. But maybe if the principal had come in and said, you know, look, these are really disturbing. And these are the facts that we have. Maybe the principal, because of experience, he or she might've been more inclined to say, you know, does this kid have access to a gun? But maybe nobody answered that question. We already know there was some evasive conduct on the part of the parents. When the School found him searching for ammunition. They texted the mom. They wanted to talk to the mom and dad about it. And the mom did not answer the school, but did text back to the kid. Don't get caught. I'm not mad at you. Evasive action. So I think the school maybe learned a lesson. All schools should learn a lesson that it doesn't hurt to ask and you should be more aggressive. And it doesn't matter if you hurt somebody's feelings because we're talking about life and death here. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted 
taken from you. Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? <sighs> Download American Vigilante now. Thanks to Carolyn for today's listener question. And if you have a question for us, then send us a message on Instagram. It might be case specific or generic. Whatever it is, drop us a line at Stop the Killing Stories. We look forward to hearing from you. And while you are sending in your questions, rest assured I have Catherine cracking open the case files of some intriguing new cases for season three. Thanks for listening. And if you want to know more, Catherine's book, Stop the Killing, is out now. For more details, go to katherineschweit.com. Please consider also supporting our independently made podcast. It's simple to do. Go to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. And for as little as the price of a latte a month, you can be part of the solution to stop the killing. Patreon rewards range from official do-gooder status to ad-free episodes, autographed books, and opportunities to connect with us directly for your business, school, church, or even just a book club chat. But just knowing that you are part of a movement that has the power to make your community safer, well, that's got to taste better than a skinny cappuccino any day. So please head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing now and polish off your do-gooder halo and make sure to include your name so we can give you a shout out. This podcast is a community podcast production. That's con with an N. If you want more content, then head over to community podcast at Instagram, where you'll find trailers on more binge-worthy true crime, like the award-winning podcast Conning the Con. And check out our show notes for all the links mentioned. Finally, if you want one takeaway action that you can do right now that can help make our community safer, Please share, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Everybody needs to know that they hold the keys to see something and say something. Together, we can stop the killing. It's one of those things you hope never happens, but you better train for it. Because it will happen. And it will happen in places you wouldn't expect. Be ready for it. CrimeCon UK, the ultimate true crime event, returns to London on the 21st and 22nd of September 2024. CrimeCon UK is the world's leading true crime event and is partnered by True Crime, the expert-led channel available on your platform of choice. From fascinating sessions with some of the biggest names in true crime to raising a glass with your favourite podcasters, CrimeCon UK is an unforgettable way for you to really immerse yourself into the true crime community. I will be there with my co-host Catherine Schweit from Stop the Killing. So come and join us and don't forget to quote Ferris for your special 10% discount. Head to crimecon.co.uk to book your tickets today. And that discount code again, Ferris as in my last name. Ferris like the wheel, Ferris like Beulah, whatever way you choose to remember it. Don't forget to put it in and you'll get 10% off. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. 
We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.